morning, everybody. Um, as Simon started this series last week, and he gave us a really great overview of where we were up to and what Jesus was doing at this time, he was sat with sinners, he was sat with the Pharisees over listening, and he told three parables, one after the other, about lost things. And as Simon has given an indication to you, I'm going to look at the prodigal son, but from the position of the son that actually went off and left the father. And you may have heard this story um, many times. You may have been taught it in um, Sunday schools. And it's about uh, what I want us to do is put yourself in the position this morning of that son. The boldness that that son had, the cheekiness, the outrageous behavior to approach his father and to ask for his inheritance. Now, some of us from our cultural perspective may think, well, you know, my parents have given me something and said that's, you know, your inheritance. My grandparents have. But actually, culturally at the time, that this was beyond controversial. Families were expected to inherit, um, inherit their um, part of their father's or um, their father's estate and actually to continue the work on it. The inheritance wasn't a gift as such, but more to come with a duty and further responsibility. It was about the prosperity of the whole family. It was lively livestock as well as the gold and money. So what this father was being asked to do was to liquidate part of his estate to fund this son's dreams of going to a distant future place far away. That wasn't something that was culturally done. It wasn't something that was appropriate. And in actual fact, what the son was saying to him was, you are dead to me. As far as I'm concerned, you might be alive, but you are dead to me. And for those that were listening to this, they would have been in absolute outrage. They would have known what that meant culturally. They would have understood the context and what would have been even more unbelievable would be the father's agreement to do it. There would have been a perfectly acceptable way for the father to legally have cut this son off and to have said, absolutely not. You are no longer my son at all. But instead, he gives the son his inheritance. And he goes off into a distant land and he absolutely spends it on all sorts of things. The NIV says he goes off to wild living. So you can let your imaginations run wild with what that looks like. And then he experiences something, comes across hard times. There's a famine in that land. He is a foreigner in that land. And he is in a position where he is stuck. The money's run out. He's got no, no access to anything else. And he finds himself working in a pig farm. Now, again, we have to really understand, for the audience of the time, pigs were seen as unclean. This was the lowest of the low, made only worse by the fact that he was fantasizing about eating their food. He was that hungry. And he sat there in that moment, and he has this sort of eureka moment where he's like, Ah, my father's servants, they have food, they have shelter. Like, if I go back home, and he works out this sort of plan driven by a desperation, driven by a physical need. And he says that he's going to go back, and he's going to say, I've sinned against you, and apologize. And he is hopeful 
that his father will show him mercy and give him a job as a servant. That's what his hope is for. And then he travels back. Can you imagine that walk back? How he was feeling, repeating over and over again in his head what he was going to say to his father. How am I going to make this work? Is he going to let this happen? And when he isn't even in to the family home, he's seen on the distance and the father runs to him. And he comes out with his pre-already arranged apology and he says it to him and he, he says sorry. And the father's arms wrap round him, embrace him and say, you were dead and now you're alive. And they instruct for the fattened calf to be killed and he gets a ring on his finger and he is restored as a son. This Um, parable is an amazing example of God's restoration and God's grace. So what exactly is grace? It is the unwarranted favor of God. It is love to the unlovely. It's peace to the restless. It's kindness to the unkind. It has got nothing to do with how the person is behaving, but completely to do with the character of God. I felt incredibly convicted, actually, when um, studying this. It's always the way when you're going to speak on something. But actually, being reminded of when I felt like a prodigal. When I'd been a Christian for about three years, I had some conversations where people were challenging me about not being meek and mild, not baking. All of those things are amazing things, but they're not me, Um, which my husband will attest to, as will anyone who's eaten my baked goods. But my response to that was to reject everything. So I felt like I was being controlled, felt like I wasn't free, said to God, see you later, I'm going to go off and have my version of wild living, and ended up in desperation, ended up in a real place of struggle, and I remembered what it was like to be in relationship with God. And what I'm struck by and what we need to look at in this passage is firstly, not the grace that we see at the end, not the big party that is thrown, but the grace that we are shown in the beginning. We're shown what freedom is, actually. Because God gives him, well, the Father gives him, like God gives us, the freedom to make a choice. He gave him the freedom to make the choice to walk away. He gave me the freedom to make the choice to leave. Because God's love is not about being robotic. It's not about him being some dictator and some commander pulling that forward. He wants you to choose to love him. And that is a choice available to all of us today. And that freedom that I thought I was going to get by going on and having wild living was not freedom. Freedom isn't what the world tells you. It isn't about this me focused, centered, all about me having this wild time hedonistic life. Freedom, true freedom, is embracing the, and being embraced by the arms of our God. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And actually, through him, we have access to freedom. And I was really intrigued by the way the son comes back. 
Because it's not like in the midst of his wild living, he suddenly has this epiphany that he's doing something wrong. It's actually from a hunger. It's a physical desire that triggers a realization that he's done wrong. But it is also an example to us about repentance. Because he has a moment of reconciliation with himself and check in with himself. He knows he's done wrong. And then he approaches the father. He completely leaves the old life behind and he moves forward to this, to come back to God, to come back to the father. And it's helpful for us when we look at our own lives and we look at the things that we think, do you know what? That has led me to be emotionally upset. That decision was actually not right. And my heart position needs to change. That 180 twist that we do as we repent, as we make a physical move towards God. And it's powerful because we can sometimes approach, and I know that I did this when I made a decision to go back to God. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to pray more. Do you know I'll fast more? I'll pray in tongues. I'll do all these things, all these things God. If you want me to bake, I'll make a cake. <laughs> and the reality was that that isn't what he wanted. And why I had a moment where I you know, was like, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry. I've come back. I'm really sorry. And I felt the embrace of a father. I felt the peace to the restless, the love to the unloving, the kindness to the unkind. And actually, in that moment, there was a sense of restoration of identity. Because God never says in the Bible, women should bake, or men. Um, but he does say that I'm a child of God. And there was a sense of understanding what it looked like to be a child. And it's similar in what we see in this parable. Because as the son approaches, he's coming back saying, I'll be a servant. The father's never changed his view on him as a son. His grace looked forward and he was always his son. He was dead and now he's alive. But what he does is he confirms to the son, you are my son. That's for him. That's a reminder for him. And there is a restoration of identity in the embracement of his grace. The freedom to choose to come back. The repentance that leads to that moment where God embraces him. There's not a tally of all the things he's done. He doesn't say to him, well, how have you spent my inheritance? Where did that money go? What did you do with it? Let's go through it line by line. Well, maybe, and if you do this, I might let you come back into the house. It's not there. That moment of him making the move to God is met, to the Father, is met by the Father with arms that embrace him. And I experienced that level of coming back to God with him saying to me, you're my daughter. I know all your rubbish. I know all the things that you don't want other people to know about. I know all of the, thing, all of the potential, all of the giftings, all of that. I created you. So your daughtership, your sonship is met in the arms of his grace. 
Your freedom is found in the arms of his grace. And it comes from a heart that steps forward to him, that moves 180 from the things that we know are not good for us, that stands before him and says, you are the way and the truth and I'm choosing to follow you. Grace is outrageous. It's so unnatural for us because it's not part of something that we're taught. We're not, we want, we're built in to want a sense of justice, to want a sense of um, our own revenge even. But God isn't built like that. He takes you on your word. And as you stand before him, as you come back to him, whether that's triggered from a physical need, an emotional desire, that step and revelation that you have is met and built by him. Now, some of us have been Christians for a really long time, and we feel like we know that what grace is. We feel like we know what God is. We've like, we, you know, we may be in really healthy patterns of repentance. But I want to just spend some time in our weeks thinking, how does this transform me? How does this change me? How does this move me from being in a position of thinking I'm a servant to moving me into walking in the unfavored, unwarranted favor of God? What would that look like if your life was driven by grace? What would that look like about how you deal with people? What would that look like about how you deal with colleagues, school friends, teachers that are very irritating? How would that look about what you would look and think about yourself, about your identity, about who you are? Because this son has, an, this son has a journey. He has a, mo he has a moment of complete separation where he walks away and then has a moment of coming back to be met with a feast and a party. And I believe that that's what God does when we come back, that he parties. So whether you've made a decision years ago to believe in Jesus, or whether that's something that you're exploring at the moment, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to consider if God embraces you with grace, how does that grace transform the way that you live? Because we know as believers in Jesus that he came perfect and he lived a completely sinless life, fully man, fully God, and he died on a cross and then rose again so that all who believe in him could have life and be restored to the Father. And as we embrace that truth this morning, as we hold that dear and close to us, if we've worshipped and sung songs about that this morning, we know that there is a grace that transforms from the inside out. And I just want to encourage you to explore that wherever you're at, whether that's the first time you return home or whether it's the hundredth time that you've returned home, and, be no, and to be known this morning that you are truly and utterly, completely loved by the God of the universe from the moment you were conceived in his mind to now and forever. And that, my friends, 
is magical, wonderful, and completely mind-boggling. <laughs> 